Hello listeners, welcome to another episode of our Blimey Cast. Today's episode is going to be entirely devoted to pronunciation. In this one, I'm going to talk about something, a special, a particular feature of pronunciation that is the reason why many students have difficulties when trying to understand native speakers talking and when trying to speak better. And that would be connected speech. So, if you've been wondering how to use connected speech to improve your pronunciation, or if you don't have the foggiest idea of what connected speech is, I definitely recommend you to stick here with me. Because this can really take your abilities to another level and make you earn higher marks in the IELTS speaking test. Let's kick off then. You're listening to Blimey Cast. For more information, check my Instagram profile, Blimey English. Hello again, and welcome back to Blimey English. Today, I'm going to help you improve your pronunciation, because I've written another article on this subject. I'm going to tell you how you can improve and develop your pronunciation to get higher bands, to achieve higher bands in the IELTS speaking test. In this article that I've written, and I'm going to read it through with you, I'm going to show you how connected speech can help you, not only to understand better the spoken language, but also how to speak better and how to attain higher marks in the IELTS speaking test. So, let's start with this reading article activity, okay? You know, if you don't know, this, uh, the connected speech, helps you to get closer to your goals, the band 7 and above, because on your examiner's mark sheets, so they've got some mark sheets to follow, and on your examiner's mark sheets, there is one criterion that they are looking for, pronunciation. And inside that criterion, there is another minor one. Your examiner is observing if you're joining sounds together and if it helps your pronunciation. I'll repeat that for you. Your examiner is observing if you're joining sounds together and if that helps your pronunciation. They're looking at your speech to see if you're able to do so. That's what I'm going to teach you today, how to augment, to improve, and how to strengthen your pronunciation in the IELTS speaking test. First, I need to tell you what connected speech is, right? Connected speech or connected discourse, sometimes you may um, hear this expression as well, is what happens with the words and letters sounds when we are talking, when we are using the spoken language rather than the written one, the written language, making them sound different from what you might have thought in your mind when you read it. So sometimes you read something and you think, you think of one pronunciation in your mind, but when you hear people talking, that is totally different. Have you noticed that? Have you passed through that situation? Well, that's probably what's going on there, connected speech. I can give you a very basic example. 
When you only study using grammar books and have little or no contact with the spoken language, you might see this phrase here. I'm going to show you in a bit. You might see this phrase here and read each word individually. The phrase is this one here. And that is the one. But when natives are speaking, engaged in normal conversations, they link the words together and say something like this. And that's the one. And that's the one. So you see the difference when you're reading? If you only study, if you only study by grammar books and have no contact with the spoken language, you might see this and think, and that is the one. You try to pronounce every single word, especially if you are a native speaker from um, specific languages such as Brazilian Portuguese, that is a very phonetic language. You try to pronounce every single word, and that is the one. But when you hear natives talking, they sound totally different, don't they? Like, and that's the one. And that's the one. If you are one of those students who think that native people talk too fast, or if you can read a text like that one and understand, but when you're listening to people talking is something totally different, then this video is for you. Because today I'm going to teach you how to solve this once and for all. But I will not only help you understand better what people are saying. My purpose here is to make you achieve band 7 or higher in the IELTS speaking test. So, what you will learn is how to speak better with efficient pronunciation using the same feature that natives do, connected speech. The reason why this difference between written and spoken language happens is because speech it's a continuous chain of sounds, a continuous stream with no clear borders or stops between words and between letters. We simply adapt our pronunciation, rhythm, stress when saying the words so it can be easier to understand actually. But easier doesn't mean clearer, does it? Doesn't mean more understandable, does it? It's easier between codes because we try to make this economy of effort when we are saying words, right? Because of that, some words and phonemes are lost in the process, but they are implied in it. And this might cause problems if you take words out of context, whether you are a native speaker or not. Stop and think for a moment. Perhaps your mother tongue, your native language, might be a bit like this too. There is a way to write words to form a sentence, but when you're speaking, you might cut parts or even entire words and still convey information. Think about that. Think about Brazilian Portuguese, for example, if you are a Brazilian Portuguese speaker. And if you take it out of context, even for another native speaker, it might not be that clear, right? That's what happens in regional accents. Speakers of the same language might have trouble understanding or trying to understand what others are saying. When you're talking about non-natives, what they don't have is the ability to foresee or to predict context. To predict and to foresee is to know 
how something's going to be before it actually happens. Depending almost, they are depending almost exclusively on the sounds. And that's why sometimes it might be difficult to catch the meaning of everything for non-native speakers. They are not able to foresee what's going to happen, what's going on in that speech, right? English is what we call a stress-timed language. It means that there are words with strong form and weak form, making a sentence have more stress in different places instead of being equally stressed as other languages are. So I told you, right, some languages pronounce every single syllable of the words and every single word in a sentence, but English is not like that. Because of that, of those intervals between stressed syllables, words in the weak form oftentimes are lost or are pronounced feebly. Very, uh, it's so subtle between those spaces, right? Some examples of these can be the following. Let's have this sentence here. The girl and the boy and the dog. How would you say that? The girl and the boy and the dog. Is that how you say it? The girl and the boy and the dog. If you say this one, trying to stress every single word with the same stress, with the same strength, it would not be the same as a native would say. And you probably not understand that well, because you are waiting, you are expecting those words to be pronounced in a way that they will not. The moment you start getting it, getting this idea, is the moment in which you know you need to expect hearing different sounds from native speech. A native speaker would read that sentence like the girl and the boy and the dog. The girl and the boy and the dog. See? And then we've got this sentence here. You can go out every day, but only today I can. Is that how you say? I would say, you can go out every day, but only today I can. So with this word here, the verb to can, right? Can you notice the weak form and the full, the strong form? The first one here is the weak form, and the second one is the strong one. You can go out, you can go out, but only today I can, only today I can. Again, sometimes the same words are pronounced differently because of that aspect of the English language. It's stress-timed. It's a stress-timed language. And we put emphasis on words that convey the main meaning in the sentence. That's the idea. Okay? Let's see another example here. This one. I have been alone. Yes, you have. How would you say? Is that how would you say it? So I would say, I've been alone. Yes, you have. This is another example of weak, strong form of words. So the word here, the verb to have, right, and here, the first one would be the weak, and the second would be the strong form, right? In this case, that's why we use the contraction I've to say I have, right? Because this is the weak form. And because of that, many people, including natives, sometimes think the weak form to be another word, wrongly. Like this, I've seen, and you might have seen this too. If you want to say, 
I should have been there. This sentence here. I should have been there. Because of the weak form, you can say, I should have been there. I should have been there. And because of that, sometimes people misinterpret this one as I should have been there, which is wrong. We cannot write this with this word here of I should have been there. No, it's not like that. The correct way is this one here. I should have been there. I should have been there. See? Misunderstanding about the weak and the strong forms can cause students not to recognize the word or letters and therefore assume something else was said or to cause them to say something that is difficult to comprehend, difficult to find the focus of. And this lack of intelligibility, intelligibility just for you to know is the quality of something being possible to understand. Is something, this lack of intelligibility, is something that cannot happen during your speaking test. If you want to achieve higher bands, you need to be understood 100%. You need to be understood during all tests. If your examiner is not able to understand what you're saying, that will give you lower marks. You're not going to achieve higher bands. You need to be understood. Before I tell you what and how you can do something to solve this, let's see some more examples of weak and strong forms of words. So you can have a grasp. A grasp would be a general idea of this. The first one, the first word is this one here, the, the. This word has got two forms. The strong one, the. Can you see the phonemic transcription here? I've made uh, another video on the phonemic chart and how the phonemic chart can help you improve and score better in the IELTS test. I'll leave it here for you somewhere in this video. It will be, there will be a link here for you. So this is the strong form of the word, the, the. We use the strong form when it's before vowel sounds. For example, the apple, the apple. And the weak form, the, the. We use the weak form when it's before consonant sounds. The car, the car. Let me give you an exercise. Try to read this sentence here. Go on. How did you read it? How was it? They just said, the man brought the oranges to the house within the expected time using the, 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 or did you read it like this? The man brought the oranges to the house within the expected time. You see, the man, the oranges, the house, the expected time. Okay, the next word is this, him. This word's got two forms as well. The strong form is him, him, like this here. The phonemic transcription is that, him. We use this form, the strong, when the focus in the sentence is that. For example, the gift was sent to him, not to them. The gift was sent to him, not to them. And the weak form 
M. M. We use this when the focus in the sentence is something else, like she adores him. She adores him. See, the focus on the sentence is the action of adoring, right? She adores him. She adores him. The next word is this. Her. Her. This one's got two forms as well. The strong form is her. Her. So, just before we continue, mind the pronunciation, right? Because I've got a British accent, and because of that, I don't pronounce the R. So, I say, I say her. But American speakers, or people with an American or Canadian accent, they're more likely to say her. Her. Okay? But there's just a detail. Let's continue here. The strong form is her. Her. And we use this when the focus in the sentence is that. Like, go there and talk to her about this. Go there and talk to her about this. Now, the weak form is her. Her. Did you notice the difference? Did you notice the difference between them? So, the first one is her. And the second is her. The first one, because of this sign here in the phonemic transcription, is longer. Her. And the second one, you can see the schwa sign here. It's short, so we say her. Her. And the example would be, if your sister is around, bring her too. Bring her too. Her too. See? It's not that long. Another one is this. For. For. Another word with two forms. The strong one is for. A long vowel sound here, right? For. We use this when the focus in the sentence is that. For example, a house is what we're looking for. A house is what we're looking for. And the weak form with the schwa sign, the schwa sign here, fur, fur. We use this when the focus in the sentence is something else. I'll give you an example. There's a message for you, fur you, fur you. There's a message for you. Another one is at, at. Another word with two forms. The strong one is at, at. The usage will depend on the context, where the emphasis is. For example, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? And the weak form, you can see the schwa here, at, at. The usage, again, will depend on the context, where the emphasis is. Can we meet at my office? Can we meet at my office? Now, when it comes to solving that problem, I'd like to say that you need to learn what is going on with the words to be changed like that. Then, you need to learn the rules involving this process. Careful here, careful here. I didn't say you need to study the rules. I said, yes, I didn't say you need to study the rules. That's right, that's it. I didn't say you need to study them. I said you need to learn the rules. You need to learn the rules.
And that's something completely different because you can learn the rules by listening to English content. It can be a podcast, a radio program, a film you're watching. It doesn't matter as long as you're receiving English content into your mind. You can also learn the rules by reading a book. Not a grammar book, no. Read whatever you want, whatever you like. And by doing this, you will naturally learn the rules and grammar. I, I kid you not, when you read, you beef up your vocabulary. To beef up is to make something stronger, more powerful, right? So when you read, you beef up your vocabulary, you make it stronger. And when you're listening to something, you learn how people use that vocabulary in spoken language. So you can benefit a great deal from these two activities, listening and reading. And that's why I say that in order to speak, you must read and then you must listen. Without these two activities, your speaking will be lame, will be weak and deplorable atrocious, very bad. That's the truth. Of course, of course, I will give you the rules here so you can know them and be aware of them. But reading and listening to English content is far more important for you and for your development than studying rules. You need to do that if you really want to achieve higher bands and have a great command of the language have that pellucid. Pellucid is just another word for clear. Have that clear, crystal clear in your mind and your journey in seeking to achieve band 7 or higher in the IELTS speaking test would be at another level. Okay? And not only that goal, the band 7 or higher in the IELTS speaking test, no. This understanding that you need to be exposed to English content as much as you can to learn to learn its rules, this will help you develop another level of English for your life. You're not going to simply have a satisfactory level of English to take the test. You're going to have a great level of English to use in your life. And I can guarantee this is far more important and relevant for you than the English you need for the test, okay? I will tell you the rules now, but you need to do that, listening and reading, to be exposed to English content. And when you combine this activity, I'm telling you, your level of English will change forever. Having said that, let's get to the rules regarding connected speech. You need to know that when it comes to connected speech or connected discourse, as I told you before, four are the influences that sounds can suffer. The sounds of words can link, disappear, join together, or change. The sounds of words can link, disappear, join together, or change. Let's see the first case, sounds being linked. Let's start with the consonant to vowel link, okay? This happens in the situation in which one word ends with a consonant sound and the next word begins with a vowel sound. Then we make a link between them, pronouncing them together. I'll give you some examples here. An egg. Then we say an egg. 
a fried egg. Then we say a fried egg. A box of eggs. Then we say a box of eggs. Did you did you notice? Did you catch it? An egg, an egg. A fried egg, a fried egg. A box of eggs, a box of eggs. A box of eggs. Then the second case is vowel to vowel. When we have a word ending with a vowel sound and the next word beginning with a vowel sound too, then another sound, in this case, these two sounds here, a w or a y, can be added to make a smooth transition. And I'll give you two examples. Two eggs. And then we say two eggs. Two eggs. Can you see the, the, the w sound? Two eggs. Then three eggs. And then we say three eggs. 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 Three eggs. See? Two eggs. Three eggs. Then we've got the case of link of the linking R. The linking R. If you've got an American accent, you probably do this without knowing or noticing. But if you've got a British accent, then you really change some features in your speech. And this is because we use the linking R when a word ends with an R and the next one begins with a vowel. Let me just clarify something here for you before we continue. A vowel sound doesn't mean a vowel letter. A vowel sound doesn't mean a vowel letter. I will repeat that for you once more. A vowel sound doesn't mean a vowel letter. For example, the word European begins with the letter E, but the sound is a consonant, the Y. That's why we say a European country and not an European country. For the same reason, we say an honest person and not a honest person, because the letter H is a consonant, but in that context, it's silent. So the word begins with the vowel sound, O. Okay? Okay, back to the linking R, we use them to smoothly link words, as in these examples here. The car is on the street. Then we say, we link the word ending with the R with the word starting with a vowel. And then we say, the car is on the street. The car is on the street. The car is on the street. For example, and another example is this. For example, we link them with the linking R and say, for example, for example, did you see the rolling R, the linking R, for example, the most famous bar in the town, that is another example, the most famous bar in the town, then we get the most famous bar in the town, the most famous bar in the town. In British English, in RP, or received pronunciation, we don't pronounce the R in those words if we're saying them alone, like car. But we do pronounce the R as a linking R in cases like that, okay? The next case is the intrusive R. 
the intrusive R. Now, this one is a bit like the last one, the linking R. The difference is that in the last one, in the linking R, the word ends with an R. Whereas in this one here, the intrusive R, the words end with what we call a non-high vowel sound. A non-high vowel sound. That would be a, the schwa, a, ye, a, o. And if it's followed by another word beginning with a vowel sound, an R is inserted between them to make the transition smooth. So the main difference is that in the last case, the linking R, one word ends with an R already. And in this case, not. They end with a vowel sound, a non-high vowel sound. And the next word starts with a vowel sound as well. So we need to insert, to put an R there, okay? Just for you to know, a high vowel or a closed vowel, as we also call, is the one we say with the tongue position as close as possible to the roof of your mouth, right? And the non-high vowel, which is this case here we're talking about, is the one we say with the tongue not close to the roof, is at the middle or close to the bottom of your mouth, right? I know, I know, I know, it sounds complex and difficult, but remember, if you do that reading and listening practice, you will learn this naturally because you will apprehend these features from other people's talks, from other people's speeches, right? I only tell you these rules so that you can be aware of them and wait for them when you're practicing. So then you can notice them in other people's speeches, okay? I'm going to give you some nice examples of the intrusive R. And you will notice that you've been hearing this for so long, even without noticing or knowing. Examples. I saw a film. I saw a film. In this case, we say, I saw a film. I saw a film. Law and order. Law and order. In this case, in this case, we say, law and order. Law and order, a media event, a media event. In this case, we say a media event, a media event. All right, all right. Let's take now the second possible case of changes in sounds, and that would be sounds disappearing, sounds disappearing. The first case here, sounds disappearing. We're going to see here the case of cutting sounds. When we have the sound T or D occurring between two consonant sounds, we will often remove them from the pronunciation. Examples. They will move next week. So then we say, they will move next week. They will move next week. That would be the worst case scenario. Then we would say that would be the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario. And the last one, just one person allowed. Just one person allowed. In that case, we would just say just one person allowed. Just one person allowed. 
Now, the third case we've got is of sounds joining together. Words with identical letters. That's the case we're going to see now. When a word ends in a consonant sound and the next word begins with the same consonant sound, we don't pronounce two sounds. We just pronounce one of them. Examples. That's a bit too much. Then we say, that's a bit too much. A bit too much. Instead of a bit too much, we just say, that's a bit too much. The second example is a lot to do. A lot to do. Then we simply say, a lot to do. A lot to do. And the third case is, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Then we simply say, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Now, let's see the fourth case, which is sounds changing. Sounds changing. There are some ways in which this can happen. It might be due to our mouth position when saying the words or because one word takes on the quality of the next one. You will understand this in a bit. The first case here is simple assimilation. Simple assimilation. When a sound at the end of a word takes on the quality of the next sound. For example, she is a good girl. She is a good girl. Then we simply say she's a good girl. She's a good girl. The second example is he's a good boy. He's a good boy. Then we simply say He's a good boy. He's a good boy. Another example is, I need some white paper to print. I need some white paper to print. And we simply say, I need some white paper. I need some white paper to print. The next case would be double assimilation. Double assimilation. We can find another type of assimilation with which is this one here, when both the last sound of the first word and the first sound of the second word change to a third sound. I will repeat that for you. We use this, or we see this, when both the last sound of the first word and the first sound of the second word change to a third sound. I will give you three examples. The first one is, would you like some coffee? Would you like some coffee? Then we can see it changing here because we say, would you, would you, would you like some coffee? Would you like some coffee? Would you like some coffee? The second example is, did you buy it? Did you buy it? Then we can see it changing here. Did you buy it? Did you? Did you? Did you buy it? And the third example is, do you live here? Do you live here? And we can see it changing. Do you live here? Do you live here? All right, all right. Those were the rules for connected speech. Of course, there are more, but you can start with those ones here. Remember, above all of that, 
it's far more important that you practice your listening skills so that you can notice how spoken English really is. That is what you need to apprehend, to copy into your own speech. The more you listen to English content, the more likely you are to understand how these features work and how to use them better. I hope this video has helped you. If you liked this content, then please consider following Blimey English on Instagram and Facebook and subscribing to my YouTube channel. Or you can simply listen to the Blimey cast, which is a podcast I made for people who cannot watch the full videos. You can simply listen to them. All right, this is time for me to go now and I see you in the next videos. Cheers! You've listened to Blimey cast. For more content, check my Instagram profile, Blimey English.